The Bruins post a pivotal win in Game 3, but can they make it a series with a victory in Game 4? The Celtics get set for a Game 3 matchup in Milwaukee against the Bucks with that series not at a game apiece, and the Red Sox continue to head south. This is the Press Pass. I am Chris Ryan. The Boston Bruins were thoroughly dominated in Carolina, which was also the case in the regular season. Bruins couldn't score, couldn't stop the Canes from scoring, were outplayed in the physical side of the game. The Carolina speed was better. In every possible way, the Hurricanes were better than the Bruins in the regular season, also here in the postseason. We heard from the Bruins leading up to the series that those games were a long time ago. Bruins was a different team, were a different team at this point. And that just wasn't the case in the first two games. Really, in the early going of game one as well, where the Bruins just it couldn't put it together. They fell behind 1-0, but then the Bruins started to come back. First, it was a shorthanded goal with Charlie Coyle and Jake DeBrusque ending up uh, teaming up on that shorty. Then the Bruins got a goal from Brad Marchand. He desperately needed to get going. The Bruins' power play registers a goal with Pasta getting the back in the net. And then the Boston Bruins went up 4-1 on a goal from Taylor Hall. So the Boston Bruins win 4-2. And they're not back in this series yet. Uh, of course, the Hurricanes have home ice advantage and a 2-1 lead in this series. But they got a big character win. They're able to change the trajectory of the series for the time being until we get to Game 4. And then, if the Bruins can win on Sunday, then all of a sudden, we got ourselves a series. Let's hear from Brad Marchand post-game on the importance of the Bruins scoring four goals in this game when they struggled to score against Carolina this season. It seems like that was a hurdle that we've, we, have, we really weren't able to get over uh, all year with this team. Um, they were, they're, they're extremely good defensively all over the ice, uh, the way they play above guys and uh, create turnovers all over the ice. So, um, yeah, we really haven't been able to penetrate the way that uh, we, we've been able to in the past against teams. Um, so, it, it, again, it feels good to, to put up a few goals tonight. But, um, you know, again, we get to prepare again the same way that we did and, and even better and try to do it again. Um, like, like I said, they're going to respond. They're going to be better defensively. They're going to be better all over the ice um, and, and try to shut that down. So we get a, it's a chess match, and, and we're going to make some some changes. They're going to do the same. But, uh, it, yeah, it, it felt good to get uh, the four tonight. But, um, again, this this game's done. It doesn't matter anymore. Brad, for you personally and for the, uh, the team, was there a particular moment or mentality that kind of, change the trajectory of this game and, and potentially the series yeah uh yeah well we're not going to say the series it, it, it uh we're not going to look that far ahead but um again uh jake and cc the play they made uh to get that first goal i think it you know that game could have went one way or another when they got that first one early um they they seem to feed uh, off of that confidence of getting that first goal they always start well early uh but you know, getting that shorthanded, it just kind of calmed us down, and, and we regrouped uh, after that. But that was a huge, huge play in the game, um, and it got us back in it. So I think that was probably the turning point for our group, kind of calmed us down, allowed us to regroup, get back in it, um, and and build off that confidence that uh, we got from that shift moving on. I also talked with the Bruins' David Pasternak. 
Pasta, what, just what do you think changed in this game as compared to the, the previous two? And even you know, Butchie was saying the start was a little off for you guys. What changed and when did it change? <clears throat> yeah, well, obviously, uh, you know, coming home to your uh, building, uh, you know, protect your own house. So, uh, you know, we just stayed focused and, and uh, that was the main thing. You know, we uh, we didn't worry about anything else uh, what's happening out there, you know. Um, we 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 stay focused on our plan and, and game plan and and uh, you know full sixty I think uh, played pretty good game you know and it's something we we have to build up from. Do you think the the lack of success against them in the regular season also the first couple games was was playing with you guys mentally a little bit and does this kind of change that that feeling if so? Uh, I mean you can't really compare the the, the playoff games to regular season. I would say, obviously, they had a, a, the edge on us in regular season, you know, but, uh, you know, playoff is totally different animal. And, uh, yes, you can look at the stuff that, that works against them or what we did wrong against uh, in regular season. But then at the same time, you know, uh, it's two great hockey teams uh, facing each other in playoffs. And, and uh, you know, you, you're not looking uh, back at the game that happened in November. You know, we are a different team uh, than that now. And, and you know, uh, we had a little taste of... Uh, what it takes to win, you know, the game one, and, and uh, we have to build from that. Asked a simple question of Bruins netminder Jeremy Swayman, who was solid in his first career playoff game. And that question was about where things changed, where things changed in regard to the Bruins' approach and why they were able to have success in this game when they weren't able to do so in Carolina. Uh, absolutely. It's, it's physical play. Uh, that's a big part of this series. You know, both teams are... Uh, you know, heavy and you know, able to make the the hits and you know take hits. So that's a that's a big momentum swing. And obviously, coming home and our fans is a huge uh, huge bonus for us. And you know, we want to take advantage of those uh, when we get those chances. The Bruins and Hurricanes will resume their first round playoff series with the Hurricanes still leading two games to one tomorrow inside the TD Garden at 12:30. The Celtics in action this afternoon in Milwaukee against the Bucks after a long delay, three days off. For the Celtics and Bucks, almost made you forget they're even playing a series against each other. But this is a pivotal game. I truly believe the team that wins Game Three today will win this series. If the Bucks are able to come back after a pretty handle, after the Celtics were able to handle them pretty easily in Game Two, I think that that's a big shift in this series back in the Bucks' favor and. The Bucs have already shown they can win on the Celtics' home floor. Marcus Smart will be back, but the Celtics have still not really played great in this series. Great first half in Game 2. Second half was kind of sloppy on the offensive side of things. And I think the Bucks' ability to shoot the three and also their ability to defend at a high level have created problems for the Celtics in this series. We'll see if Boston is able to bounce back. Things continue to trend downward for the Boston Red Sox. They can't score, and their bullpen is terrible. And that's a problem. <laughs> it's a big problem for a Major League Baseball team. The Red Sox find themselves at 10-17. and 17. They haven't won a series. They lost game one, 4-2, last night against the Chicago White Sox. A White Sox team that's under 500 and due to play better and hit better coming into this series. So, not pretty. Uh, Trevor Story was hearing the boos from Fenway fans after he fanned four times in the matinee game against the Angels. Shohei Atane went seven innings pitching and also having a big double 
for the Angels and something that was magical to see at Fenway Park. For Trevor Story, it's been a challenging beginning for him, and we discussed that inside the Red Sox clubhouse. Check, check, check. So obviously things haven't gone perhaps the way you guys want so far in terms of the record, but just in terms of getting integrated with this club, um, how is that going for you, and how would you kind of define where you're at? Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, getting comfortable with the guys, getting, you know, just kind of locked in on my routine here. Um you know, being more comfortable each day, and I think that's that has a lot to do with it. And I think, um, you know, feeling better with each game that passes by, personally, um, just get, getting those at bats and feeling feeling good, you know, throughout the game and the game setting. So, um, no, I'm not there yet, but I know I'm I'm, I'm really close, and uh, so I'm excited about that. And um, but yeah, I think you know we're we're certainly a better team uh, than there are record shows right now, and. Um, I think we're, we're, we're confident that we're going to turn that around very soon. Has the change been what you expected? I mean, obviously there's the change of position, new city, uh, and all the things that went along with it. Spring training obviously had its challenges and triumphs for you. Um, so how would you define you know, what that is like? Is it worse? Is it similar to what you expected? Yeah, um, kind of similar to what I expected. It's can't really tell you what I expected, you know, just coming in, like not knowing anybody, you know, not really uh, – having a good feel for what was going to happen and um you know the position changed and all that but i felt you know everyone here has made it just seamless for me uh bogey you know rafi you know kike nate all the guys really um have been so good and uh just helped me feel comfortable on a daily basis and you know i think uh yeah it's gone really well and i think um you're about to start seeing that on the field yeah, one of the things that stood out about you so far is, you know, accountability. There's the game down in Tampa where you had made play after play after play at the start of the season. Everybody was so impressed with how you've been able to make the adaptation to second base. Then one thing goes wrong, and you're there being being accountable. Um, is that always been kind of a part of how you play, and how important is that to your overall process? Yeah, it's huge. I think, especially at this level, um, you know, we feel, or I feel that, you know, um, yeah, I put a lot of work into this, and this is, you know, this is my craft. This is my my biggest passion, and um, so, you know, I, I have to be accountable about it for for me to to put everything and to get everything out of that I want out of it. And um, you know, a lot of times things go good, but a lot of times they don't. And I think it's just as important to, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and um, you know harp on it, but I think acknowledging um, times like that is important and. Uh, just realizing it's it's not always going to be, you know, it's not always going to be great. Um, but um, you know, acknowledging it and then moving past it, I think is a is an important pro- process. You mentioned how much Kike, Bogey, and uh, Rafi have helped you kind of be comf- get to that comfort level here. What about the way they approach each day has kind of rubbed off on you, perhaps a little bit? And are you a guy that looks around and tries to see what other people do and try to integrate it into what you do? Or you're pretty set. Yeah. Um, little bit of both you know i think i'm always uh i'm always looking for ways to get better and always trying to learn from good players and um and we have a lot of good players here so a great place to do that but you know i'm, I'm pretty regimented in kind of the way that i've gone about my career my routine on a daily basis and, um so obviously there's that structure there but um just seeing the you know kind of the intensity and um you know the preparation that goes into it from from these guys side too is 
is certainly matched there. So um, it just gives me a lot of confidence in this team, I think, overall, more than anything. Are you a believer in, you know, good hitting being contagious and bad hitting being contagious up and down a lineup? Or is it do you put more pressure on yourself? Do you ride the high a little bit more when things are going well? Or can you, you know, individualize? Because certainly you look at, you know, Bogey and, and Rafi have been able to have their typical type of, of seasons, but that hasn't always been the case with everybody else. Right. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we kind of spoke about that yesterday. It's, uh, you know, to the core, you know, this game is a little bit individualized, you know. Um, everybody has to kind of take their at-bats and, and take care of their 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 stuff at the plate by themselves but um i think a lot of it has to do with you know the team approach and there can be um you know highs and lows with that and i think um for me you know when i'm going really well i try to uh obviously you want to enjoy those times and 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 feel good about it but um staying even keel has been a, a huge thing that's helped me in the past and um you know i'm not going great that that's the thing i fall back on knowing like you know I know the, the type of player I am, and I know um, that this game is not always going to be be graceful to you. The final thing is on you know, adapting to new pitching and guys that you have not seen before. We didn't really touch upon that earlier with the different things being com- comfortable. Is that one of the bigger aspects in seeing pitchers for you know, the first time and trying to figure out what your approach is going to be? Yeah, no, it is. It's uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, um, obviously, and you know, coming to a new league. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to take a little time on that on that side just to get get comfortable with the pitchers, you know, um, you know how the, how they attack me and just their stuff in general. And I think uh, the more at bats, just the more time in this league is is going to um, is going to help that out. So, yeah, that that plays a part. But um, uh, yeah, I you know I already start to feel a little better about that. So one thing that's still really interesting to kind of figure out with the Red Sox is their usage of two of their best three pitchers in Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock, along with Nathan Avaldi being the third. And it seems that they're trying to figure out, you know, how to utilize starting pitchers for the, what is now the requisite period of time, about five innings of play and perhaps matching them with one of these guys and, you know, I kind of wonder whether that's the future uh, for the Red Sox, but maybe for baseball as well. As starters go a shorter period of time, do you want to have like eight guys that can start, mix and match guys that are going to pitch four innings, the guys who pitch three innings, and utilize your bullpen in a completely different way than really has been done before? I talked to one of the best to ever do it, Hall of Famer and tremendous Red Sox broadcaster Dennis Eckersley. Joined by Dennis Eckersley, and the way the Red Sox are using Hauk and Whitlock, I'm intrigued in what you think about that, given that these guys are highly capable guys are going to be mixed-matched as, or mixed-matched as starters and relievers. You know, so first of all, the game is where it is. So starting there, where starters are going right now, you know, short spring training, four or five innings, finally saw somebody, Valdi go seven. Anyway, with them... Going back and forth, piggybacking, Whitlock, short, middle, start. I mean, it's close. Close. You know, it's strange. The whole thing is strange. It's it, to me, it's a matter of what is he going to do? What are they going to settle with? And even with Hauk, because he could look good as a, as a bullpen guy too. This is it's a good dilemma mm-hmm. that they have with them. And uh, 
I don't know where it's going to end. We, we just talked recently about, well, after they get to Texas, then they'll get back into mm-hmm. maybe we'll see the five-man rotation, mm-hmm. then it'll show its face then. But anything goes. I can't guess. And then you think about what, what's more valuable, right? Mm-hmm. To me, I don't know. I mean, right. when you see how valuable Woodlock could be in so many different roles. Right. That's what's hard to manage this, you know? Do you feel like in some ways this might be the future? Because you can make the argument these are two of your top three pitchers on the staff. And you usually your two of your top three pitchers on the staff are starters. Right. I know. This is strange for all of us, you know. If you're going to go seven innings, to me, a great starting pitcher that goes seven innings, the value's there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're only going to go five, I don't know. Maybe you're better off. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want that job. Mm-hmm. That, that you know, to, He's a kid and everything. Mm-hmm. But he says, hey, Maybe you'll pitch three today. Maybe you'll close it tomorrow. Maybe you'll do it. That stinks. Yeah. It does. Because yeah. everybody needs to know what their role is, let alone switching from. And you can't go. Once you go to the bullpen too long, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. Right? So they have to keep that in mind. Is this similar or dissimilar to like how Gossage and Raleigh Fingers were used in that they pitched multiple innings, but they didn't go from starting to no. then the bullpen. So do you see any similarities of kind of a back-to-the-future type thing in some ways? I don't think you'll see that. Yeah. Because, you know, you want to get more opportunities to go to them. So you want to shy away from too many multiple inning relief appearances, right? Because you think about it. If you go three, you need a couple of days off, mm-hmm. right? But the old guys, they, they just kept just, doing you know. it. But then again, you know, your career's not going to be that long going three innings three times a week. I mean, that's not right. going to happen. Yeah, because they have – experimented with using Whitlock those three innings and piggybacking like Hauk is doing yeah. now but you can't do that more than two maybe three times a week without a huge yeah. innings accumulation I mean as it is you know how they how they do this and manage all this is beyond me you know although it helps that you have 14 pitchers mm-hmm. it does because if you only had 11 you can't be you can't get cute yeah. you know what I mean you have to stick to one thing do you have a sense for what this Red Sox team is yet, or is it still kind of working its way through in your mind? Well, the pitching staff is going to work its way through. We don't know quite yet because obviously Sale and Paxton, right? Yeah. So that's always sitting, hovering. Yeah. But offensively, we haven't seen this club. And this is going to be a good offensive club. I mean, I haven't, I've yet to see a bad offensive club in Fenway Park. Right. And this one's not going to be any different. But this isn't pretty right now. How about Otani and what he is able to do did you think you'd ever see that again? no never we're t- laughing about last night i said i did it in little league <laughs> <laughs> everybody does it literally nobody does it in the big i know that's sick isn't yeah. it it really is uh but i think it's 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 i think it's fun to, to see it mm-hmm. it is and tend to be in awe of it you know a guy that, and then the way he swings a bat last night he he was like Ishiro, yep. on a little, uh, little flip flesh. shot, yep. you know, yep. and then he can go bridge anywhere yep. at the ballpark. So I think it's great for baseball. I think he's a great guy for baseball. He, you know, you saw what he yep. did in the All-Star game. Yep. He's so he's accommodating yep. and everything. That goes a long ways. Do you enjoy doing this more than playing in some ways because it allows you to kind of enjoy the game and not – because you famously yeah. had like this really tense. amped up, tense, like kind of – even anxiety kind of yeah, thing. I still have it. Yeah, but it, you. you but just if I have s- a bad game, <laughs> no I, yeah. I didn't get the L. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. But I do. I, I, I'm intense, and and and, and it, the pressure's off. I mean, I tell you what. anytime you don't have to play anymore. I mean, I don't miss it. I don't miss that. Yeah. The pressure involved. So I'm trying to enjoy what I do. You know yeah, the yeah. old. 
right, Dennis Eckersley right there. It is game two of the three-game set between the White Sox and the Red Sox today. Going to the bump for Chicago's guy that's been one of the best in the big leagues early on in the season. three and one of the 2.48 ERA. Sat down with Dylan Cease. He opposes Nick Pavetta today. Joined by White Sox, White Sox started Dylan season. Dylan, what's been the, the key for you this year, early going, particularly coming off of that Angel start? Yeah, uh, I mean, just attacking the strike zone, being able to execute pitches and get good count leverage. I mean, that's what everybody says, but what's the the mental challenge in in doing that? Because yeah. it seems like you know, if you're a guy like Nathan Avaldi, you got that stuff. It's pretty easy to do, but kind of hitting hitting that mental point. How do you do it? Uh, I, th- I think. Um, I, don't know, I guess just a big thing is is learning yourself and kind of once you've got the experience of what sort of the, the big league experience is like, then it's you're able to kind of relax and and uh, work your way through things. Uh, it's it's figuring that right balance between adjusting too much, adjusting too little. It, it's you know, and then it's kind of getting in that flow state and trusting what you've been doing. When did that happen for you? Um, I saw a glimpse of it. I saw a glimpse of it last year. And then uh, this year it's been happening more often. Yeah, and is it challenging, you know, particularly in this game where it's so home run dominant to try to be perfect and trying to kind of stay away from um, from making mistakes? Because that's obviously sort of counterintuitive. Yeah, um, I think it's okay to have that goal, but... Also, you can't let it um, you can't let it make you nibble or anything like that. It's got to be it's got to be aggressive attack. And if you if you happen to have one of those days where you're executing, then it can feel like you're perfect. But yeah, that's that's never going to be very realistic. Both the White Sox and Red Sox kind of find themselves in a difficult uh, spot here at the beginning of the season, and, and similar in that a lot of talent, good roster, veteran yeah. team. You feel like yeah. you should be playing better. What is it like early on, knowing that it's such a long season, but you're not where you want to be? Yeah, I think um, a lot of that's just managing emotions right now, and knowing that uh, you know, knowing that sometimes that's baseball, and, and also knowing that we have a lot more in the tank and that we can play better. So, uh, it, like I said, it's just kind of man- managing ourselves and and uh, doing what we have to do to bring out our our best game every game. Getting back to the Red Sox and the usage of Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock over the last couple of years, I talked with Houck about that. The game isn't won nowadays in the first or the ninth inning like it you, like I think it typically was seen like I think as a game we've developed and understood that like you know the, the fifth inning is just as important as the ninth inning the third inning is just as important as the first inning I mean every time you're out there every out really does matter um so you you, you do need the, everyone to come together and you know step up and do their role and you know cover the one through nine so I you know I to your point, you know, to your question, like it, it might be headed towards that way, but it, I, I got to think about it more for sure. It's a good question. Yeah. Also, like if you have a an advantage in terms of the middle innings, where you can put in a Tanner Houck or a Garrett Whitlock versus the other teams, you know, whatever during that point in time, if a team has a, a deeper pitching staff, you wonder like where things head from from that direction. But it's just it's interesting because you could argue that two of the three best pitchers on this staff are you, know, you and Garrett and you're not quote unquote starters at, at this point. And so I'm curious kind of how that how that jives with the with the two of you and how you've adapted to what is a, a new role when each person kind of wants to become a starter. They want to become a closer, but you have this kind of t- team oriented approach. Yeah, I I mean I I won't speak to Garrett and, and you know what kind of his beliefs are but you know mine are 
whatever you know next man up kind of mentality like whatever whatever i can do to help win it's what i'll do i mean if you know they want me to go out there and start and go you know first through fifth sixth seventh whatever it is inning or if they want me to come out of the pen and you know piggyback you know whether it is rich or someone else and you know you just kind of go at it that way 